Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Jerry Paul, who is with Capital Access. And Jerry has been engaged for several years now in representing boaters' rights at the state capital of Florida in Tallahassee. And as the legislative session is, is winding up at this point and bills are being filed, it's become an important time. So this is almost a little bit of a follow-up to what we did last week on Georgia because there are also issues um, that are unfriendly for boaters who want to anchor in Florida. So that's our topic for today. Before we start, as always, I want to take just a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the high level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Uh, Jerry Paul, thanks for joining us this week on Great Loop Radio. I know it's a busy time for you, so thanks for taking a few minutes out to fill us in. Well, it's my pleasure, Kim, and uh, just thank you for the opportunity to spend a little time with you and, and uh, Give a little update to our entire boating community that listens. Uh, give them an update on what's going on in the Capitol. The timing is good. We're just wrapping up the first week of a 60-day legislative session here in Tallahassee. And uh, as I'm sure we'll talk about, there's quite a bit on the plate and quite a bit at stake for those of us who enjoy the freedom of the waters. There most certainly is, and that's part of the reason we appreciate you taking some time out. And you're right, the timing is good because we are going to be reaching out to our members and to other boaters out there uh, for some assistance because it's going to take uh, um, a presence, so to speak, at the Capitol this year to make sure that our interests are uh, looked out for. And, and Jerry, you've started that process, but it's gonna, we're going to need to show that there is a big interest in what we are pushing for. So for those who maybe haven't been following this for the last several years, um, the bills that are being filed are kind of tag-ons to a section in the Florida statutes called 4108. Um, and that number gets tossed around a lot, but tell us what that is and when and how that became part of the Florida statutes. That's well, a great question, Kim, and it, uh, this section called 4108, uh, as well as the issues that are being debated here in the Capitol right now, are all kind of symbolic of the notion that uh, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. If you do not uh, pay attention and show up in the halls of government, bad things can happen. Uh, rights can be stripped away. And that's what happened with the so-called Section 4018. For many years, uh, going back even to my time serving in the legislature two decades ago, um, each session people file bills to ban anchoring in a particular uh, local area. Oftentimes it is uh, motivated by fights between upland property owners and cruisers who are anchored out on the water. Uh, sometimes the property owners see that as, uh, quote, their backyard rather than uh, public waters. But those bills typically don't make it very far. Um, but um, sometimes on the local level, uh, communities would ban anchoring on their own. And so over a period of time, we had a patchwork of uh, anchoring bans on the local level in different locations to the point where cruisers didn't know where or when they were allowed to anchor. Well, that kind of changed, and uh, more of that seemed to be forced to the state level where there was uh, more opportunity to keep the system uni uh, unified. 
and uniform around the state. But back uh, several years ago, uh, 2016, I think, there was a bit of a hostile fight between two persons, just two people, uh, down in uh, my, uh, North Miami Beach area. One upland property owner who had property on the water and one rather vocal and colorful uh, boater. Uh, the boater anchored in front of the uh, homeowner's house for a period of time and a fight, uh, a war of words ensued. The back and forth between the two of them uh, amped up to the point where the wealthier property owner hired a lobbyist in Tallahassee. Uh, for a number of years prior to that, the cruising associations, uh, SSCA and uh, ADLCA and MTOA and others had been represented here and bills like that um, to, to ban anchoring had always been killed. But that was the one year when we were not represented and a bill got passed and created 4108, which identified four specific areas where anchoring would be banned, uh, a carve out, if you will, by geography. Um, it becomes a magnet every year. Other local communities now see that statute and want to add locations, specific anchorages that we all treasure uh, to that list. And uh, through the good works of AGLCA, uh, Seven Seas Cruising Association, MTOA, and the Deceiver Users Group, uh, and all of the members who contribute to the effort here in Tallahassee, uh, you are, are all well represented, and each year we defeat those bills. But we're in the throes of it. Uh, as we speak, during this first week, we have two bills out there that would fly in the face of anchoring freedom, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about those specific bills as we go forward. But the bottom line is 401, uh, 4108 is in the statute, and uh, we defend every day uh, to keep from add-ons to it. Right, and as, as you've worked on this for the past several years, Jerry, um, it's really kind of very simple, unfortunately, for municipalities to go to their legislative delegations and ask for a bill to be introduced to be added to that Section 4108. And that's what we've, we've seen happening, and uh, this year is no exception, as you mentioned. And you know, compared to some bills we see coming out, these are exceptionally short because it is that easy. You know, they're one-page bills, not even taking up the full page. It's a super simple thing if we're not there to oppose this. So tell us what's been filed so far this year and where we stand. Well, we have a bill called 417. It's a House bill, um, and it's companion in the Senate 606 that would add to the, 40, the 4108 statute by banning anchoring in the Ortega River in Jacksonville. And there, uh, like most instances, there's a group of about 15 property owners who have be become very motivated on the local level and gotten their uh, legislator to file a bill to ban anchoring out in some waterways out from their properties. Um, the good news on that, however, is it demonstrates the effectiveness of the boating community uh, stepping up and speaking out. In fact, yesterday there was a local hearing in Jacksonville by their waterway commission where boaters turned out in mass in large part because of the uh, action alerts by AGLCA and SSCA and MTOA and DeFever telling people to show up. And there were four or five times as many boaters who showed up to that hearing as did uh, homeowners. And ultimately, the commission voted nine to one to oppose the bills here in Tallahassee. 
that's uh, been a big help to us in pointing out to legislators here in the Capitol that even on the local level, when voters show up and uh, and make their voices known, that the facts come out. Now, in fairness, some of those issues that were being complained about by property owners uh, relate to derelict vessels, and we're careful to not defend derelict vessels. We as uh, responsible cruisers don't allow our vessels to become derelict. Uh, we don't store our vessels unattended and abandoned. Um, but it also demonstrates that we ourselves have to be good actors on the water. Uh, when there are efforts on the local level and here in the capital to ban anchoring, uh, typically Exhibit A is the bad conduct of some, a tiny fraction of our friends who are on the water. And so it just demonstrates how important it is for all of us to be responsible, uh, to, to take care of the environment, to not uh, engage in uh, otherwise illegal conduct, littering, discharges from uh, marine sanitation devices, um, leaving your boats unattended where the anchors drag and the vessels do damage to docks, those sorts of things. The better we are on the water as stewards of that public resource, the greater opportunity we're going to have to preserve it, uh, to be able to use with freedom. Uh, the, the, the more that we abuse it, or even a small number of people in our community abuse it, uh, the more likely it is that the rest of us will lose those freedoms. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, Jerry, because um, we've been kind of preaching that for years, is that responsible cruisers, which you know the vast majority of the members of our coalition are very responsible cruisers, uh, responsible cruisers are getting caught up in this derelict v vessel issue. And as you mentioned, um, you know, those who are littering or discharging waste um, or letting their anchor drag and leaving the boat unattended, um, they're already breaking laws that are out there. So why do you think there's this onslaught of efforts to solve the derelict vessel issue by banning all anchoring? Well, I think part of it is because the, the people who tend to be the most frustrated are not boaters themselves. And so they're simply grasping for a solution. And the simplest thing is to look to a the simplest statute. You know, as the old saying goes, for every complex problem, there's a very simple solution that is wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's simple, and so it's what people tend to latch on to. The simplest thing is to just ban anchoring. Uh, the derelict vessel issue becomes uh, kind of ground zero because it's the most visible. Uh, it's the most demonstrative example of poor conduct on the water. Uh, a vessel that is broken down, rusty, half-sunk, um, unattended, uh, becomes a very powerful visual image uh, to motivate politicians to vote for a bill that would just ban anchoring. It takes a lot of effort to instead respond with the detailed message about the statutes that we have in place to deal with derelict vessels, vessels that are at risk of becoming derelict, stored vessels, and so on. But the best thing we can do as voters, excuse me, as voters uh, in anticipation of that is to be good stewards ourselves, but to also routinely message and communicate among our own family um, the importance of others uh, engaging in good conduct. It's not enough for us to simply um, be responsible. We need to create a sense, a culture among others that we see who are 
uh, engaged in bad conduct that could put our own freedoms at risk. We need to communicate to them that, hey, uh, this ain't right. That ain't cool. You're going to cause my rights to anchor here to be compromised uh, if you don't conduct yourself in a responsible way. Right. And I want to go back to that Jacksonville Water Commission meeting yesterday because I think that was really kind of the, uh, an important win for us, so to speak. Um, and we are still waiting for the, the video that was recorded to come out. We're hoping to get our hands on that tomorrow. But from what I'm told from several different voters that were there, um, the impact of having a group there was huge. And apparently the meeting was running very long. And, and from what I've been told, the commission um, heard from the homeowners who want to ban anchoring there in the Ortega River and was set to move on and simply just pass the vote to, you know, support, pass a resolution supporting the bill in Tallahassee. And the voters there kind of grumbled and said, well, wait, you know, we're here for this issue as well, and we want to present to you the other side. And they were successful in getting that water commission to recognize that the real issue is the derelict boats. Um, so that was huge. And it's such a great example of voters making a difference in letting the powers that be understand the difference between a cruiser who's anchoring um, for you know a few days possibly max versus a derelict vessel that's sitting there and most likely never going to move until someone forces it to. So uh, great win for us there. Um, and apparently the next step is for that resolution um, that the Water Commission recommended will go to the city council. And I think that'll, um, and, and you can speak to this, Jerry, but I think that will be heard loud and clear in Tallahassee. Very, very influential in this debate. Um, the corollary is true, too, but for, uh, in the absence of ADLCA, in the absence of SSCA um, and MTOA and the deceivers, were you not there on that thin line? Had you not sent out the alert to your members, uh, the only voice that would have been heard in that hearing would have been the opponents of anchored boats. The same is true here in the state's capital. In the absence of your engagement, um, laws can pass in a flash that would strip your freedoms away. So I want to just pause for a moment and applaud the members of ADLCA and SSCA and MTOA and the Deceiver Group. Um, it's, it's the people who take the time to join, to become active, to monitor and track their email alerts, to engage, to make phone calls, to place emails. And at times to even show up in the Capitol or show up uh, at a local hearing, it's through their, their active engagement in their organization through the association that our freedoms are being protected. Absolutely. And our, our gratitude to those who did make it to Jacksonville yesterday on, on behalf of those of us who couldn't. Um, but we are going to be asking more of members, particularly those who can get to Tallahassee. And I shouldn't say just members of the different coalition organizations, because we're really talking to all voters. But before we explain that, I do want to take a moment to play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, Jerry, I'd like to get into kind of real specifics on where we stand with HB 417 and SB 606 that you mentioned. So we'll be back in a moment. Are you looking for a new luxury marina at an affordable price? Visit Marlin Bay Resort and Marina located in the Florida Keys. Modern docks are now available for daily, weekly, monthly, and annual rental. Each boater has unlimited free access to all of the resort's amenities, such as a large heated pool with jacuzzi and pool bar, fitness room, sauna, and steam room. Enjoy the upscale clubhouse, which is the perfect place to relax on land. And coming soon, the marina will offer new boat lifts. The marina offers billiards, table shuffleboard, and a game room. 
fish stations, barbecue grills, and a waterfront observation tower to see unbelievable views of Marathon. There are also a number of beautifully appointed vacation homes considered to be some of the nicest in the Keys. Marlin Bay Resort and Marina in Marathon is a perfect layover destination and has everything a cruiser could want. Come and visit Marlin Bay Resort and Marina today. You'll be glad you did. See them online at www.marlinbay.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Jerry Paul, who is with Capital Access, and he is the very capable person who's been representing the boating community's interests in Tallahassee for several years now. Uh, Jerry, we talked in the first segment a little bit about the fact that uh, there has been a House bill issued or, or um, filed and a companion to it for the Senate that are uh, pretty much the same bills, one for each side, which is how the process works. Um, Tell us where each of those bills stands and kind of walk us through the process of the path that needs to take before it becomes law. Sure. Well, on the Senate side, there is uh, Senate Bill 606. Uh, it's currently uh, filed there and made it barely through its first committee hearing just this week. Uh, we had voters and our associations uh, show up uh, and of course, uh, yours truly spoke at the podium against the bill, and uh, we almost killed the bill in the Senate, but it made it through that committee. It'll now have to go through two more committees, and as it does, there's going to be uh, properly timed opportunities for our members of the associations to make their voice heard in opposition to those bills. Uh, watch for your uh, email alerts from Kim and from others on other forums that you're at, uh, they should list the members of the Senate that are on the particular committees when those bills are being heard, and they'll have instructions on proper times to uh, access your elected officials, uh, not just yours from uh, the local district where you live, but those who happen to be on the particular committee. They'll give you phone numbers, and they'll give you email addresses, and there may even be a call to action for some of the voters to show up here in Tallahassee. That makes a very powerful message, and there's probably going to be an opportunity, uh, a need, if you will, for that to take place uh, this year as well. So, too, on the House side, there's a House bill called 417, also filed by a Jacksonville House member, and that bill has not gotten its first hearing. It will have to go through three hearings on the House side. Um, and as I said, uh, with the Senate, there will be opportunities at, uh, immediately prior to each of those uh, committee meetings where it'll be important for voters from all across the state, all across the country, all across the world who care about freedom on the water in uh, Florida's coastal waterways to speak up and speak out and let these uh, elected officials know what we think. Give a positive message, be professional about it, no personal insults, of course, but simply lay out the facts that much of the problem here is with lack of enforcement of existing laws, and that uh, almost all boaters on the water are responsible uh, uh, actors and do anchor and cruise responsibly, and that the bad acts of a small number should not be held against uh, the, the uh, responsible boaters uh, everywhere else. Moreover, uh, it's fair to point out that these are public waterways. This is nobody's private backyard. And Part of the bargain, if you will, when you build a house on the waterfront is that you're going to see boats and uh, and there shouldn't be laws that uh, pick winners and losers and choose 
upland homeowners over the rights and freedoms of people on the water. Those are simple messages that can be delivered in a professional and respectful way without personal attacks, and they can be very influential. The simple truth is is that when uh, the opponents of boating speak out, they are a minority, but they tend to be more vocal. What we have on our side, Kim, is numbers. There's more of us, uh, and so so long as all of us make our voice heard, then government does hear it, and Jacksonville and that hearing yesterday is a good example of it. Yeah, and those messages that Jerry just talked about, um, those talking points, so to speak, are really what seemed to uh, resonate with the Water Commission in Jacksonville yesterday. So um, they're good points that not all of these elected officials realize because they're not all boaters. Um, and once they have the opportunity to hear from us, they seem to understand that message. And, you know, again, Jacksonville Water Commission was a great example of completely turning around what that vote was expected to be. So we will be reaching out. Um, if you're not an AGLCA member, um, just go to our website. We'll be putting the details in the forum, but we'll also be posting it in the latest news area on our website. So even if you're not a member, you can check that out and you can see details about when we have these calls to action. Um, because there will be some more, as Jerry explained, two more hearings on the Senate side, three on the House side for that bill. Jerry, do we just need to defeat the bill at one of these hearings, or is there a way for it to move on even if it does not pass at one of the hearings? Well, typically under House and Senate rules, if the bill is defeated in a committee, it cannot be uh, brought up again. It cannot be inserted into another bill. Now somebody could come up with creative ways to rewrite it. But as a general rule, if you defeat it in the committee, uh, it's dead. Uh, now, there are other bills that are filed that are not quite as uh, much of a direct affront to the freedom to anchor that we still are working very hard to modify. Uh, some of them, uh, again, emanate from local governments who are trying to resolve derelict vessel issues, and they simply choose a, 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 a legislative solution of banning anchoring or restricting anchoring when there are other ways to fix their problem. And uh, as we go through this legislative session, if those bills begin to emerge, uh, I'm sure Kim will put out a notice on those as well. Definitely will. And one thing I learned from you, Jerry, you know, several years ago when I first met you was when you see one of these bills, you have to ask, what's the problem they're trying to solve? And almost exclusively when there's a bill that limits anchoring, they're not really trying to stop people from anchoring. People anchoring is not the problem. It's the derelict vessels. So we just need to continue to focus on that. What would happen if, um, you know, for example, the bill passed all three committees on the House side, but not the Senate side? Well, each bill would have to pass all of its committees on each side, and then each of those bills would have to pass a full vote of each chamber on the chamber floor. And if the bills are not identical as they come off the chamber floor of the House and the Senate, then there would have to be an additional vote where the other chamber takes a final vote on the conformed measure so that ultimately all members of the legislature have voted on the exact same language. So that could be as many as six or seven, uh, possibly, possibly even eight more votes before this is over. 
Right. So we have lots of opportunities still to prevent this from happening. Um, and last year, Jerry, I think through your efforts, we were actually successful in not having bills um, introduced, even though there was talk of them behind the scenes. So what we have been doing has been working. Um, we're hoping to eventually find a way to not have to fight this every year. But, you know, for the time being, this is where it stands. So we're working on it. We'll, we will be putting out those calls to action. And there still are, as I said, plenty of chances to defeat this. Uh, a question, though, for you, Jerry. Um, SB 606 and HB 417, which are basically identical at this point, were the only bills issued this year to um, add areas to that Section 4108 we mentioned. Um, are we out of the woods on other places, or are, can bills still be filed? And what about amendments to these bills? Well, we are past the bill filing deadline for this legislative session. However, for the next 58 days, any bill can be amended uh, to add any additional locations. As some of your listeners may remember, uh, there have been efforts from City of Hollywood to ban anchoring in North and South Lake year after year. Uh, they typically try to amend uh, some uh, pending bill to ban anchoring there. Uh, so that would not be a surprise to see that. There has been an amendment made to uh, the Senate version of the bill we were talking about, 606, that would ban anchoring in Crystal Lake in uh, Crystal River. And um, as you know, Kim, I believe the city of Melbourne passed a local ordinance uh, to uh, ban or restrict anchoring by uh, trying to redefine liveaboard vessels. It would not be a surprise to see them attempt to add that language to a state bill. So, nope, we have 58 days here where we have to maintain our vigilance to protect our liberty. Yeah, and that is certainly going to be key. So, again, I know we've said it multiple times, but keep an eye on the AGLCA forum, the MTOA forum, the SSCA forum, um, and keep an eye on our website, and we will get the messages out. I should also mention that we are still fundraising to cover the costs of our advocacy efforts, and uh, Jerry gives us a lovely friends and family rate since he is a boater and a long-distance cruiser. Um, but this is his livelihood, so, of course, we pay him for his services and as you know, if you listened last week, we're also in, engaged in advocacy efforts in Georgia right now and also in New York on the Erie Canal. So if you are able to contribute to that, uh, there, uh, we have not yet reached our fundraising goal for 2020. And you can find a link to contribute to that on our website as well, which, of course, is greatloop.org. Jerry, any final thoughts before we close out for today? Well, just again, to, to thank you, not as a as an attorney and lobbyist, but as a fellow voter who greatly values the opportunity, the freedom to enjoy Florida's rich maritime history. As a boater and cruiser myself, uh, and as a as a 100-ton master who has made my living on the water um, and in the Capitol, it just does my heart good to see boaters finally getting more organized, speaking up, stepping up, and making a difference. So thank you to everybody who has participated in this process. And to those who don't, I uh, warmly welcome you to join in this effort. It's worth fighting for. Well said, Jerry. And thank you for all of your efforts on our behalf. And again, thank you for your time today. I know this is an extremely busy time for you. So thanks for carving out a little bit of it, bit of it to share with us.
My pleasure, Kim. To our listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.